John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have accessed entry 515.LA0345, certificate number 26561, The Garbage Barge. Dripping brown ooze of possibly infectious material. The governor of Louisiana threatened to send out the National Guard if the barge tied up there. The vagabond barge has become an international issue. The most watched load of garbage in the memory of man. Six ports have already refused the refuse. The barge has been chased away by the warplanes of two nations, and now it's anchored here, five miles off the coast of Key West, Florida. Still loaded with tons of garbage, still unwanted. I say garbage barge all the time. Like, what's an example of how you would say that in context? I, uh, I will describe things that I think are oh, garbage like, barges. Like, instead of saying this is a total show, you would say yeah, this I, is a total garbage barge. If I say barge. this is a hot mess or whatever, I would just say this is a garbage barge because it's so, like, internally, it's like a, it's like a Chuck D rhyme. It's a, and plus it's a Gen X uh, reference. It's a Gen, X, a Gen X reference. And also, you know, you run out of ways to say hot mess. And of course, garbage fire was a popular. Oh yeah, remember the Gen remember X remember the the month when people would say it's a total t- Twitter's a garbage fire, a garbage fire, right? Yeah. But garbage barge, it's 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 there, there's like a, a level of indignity to it, a lonely, unwanted barge of garbage <laughs> plying the seas. Like a ghost ship, a flying Dutchman. Yeah, it just—it's uh, a great story, and I think it might be kind of forgotten today. Does is anyone who doesn't remember watching it live on the news have thoughts about the garbage barge? I think, I think maybe no. I think the, it's a good omnibus topic for that reason. Yeah, the pace of um, of like global indignity is so heightened now. It's um, things are moving so fast. There are probably forty garbage barges right now that that various people on the internet are exercised about we have barge fatigue <laughs> but we but you and i remember a time when a garbage barge was really a novelty sure your your whole family would go down to the to the wharf to watch it go by to take a look <laughs> son tell your grandkids that was the garbage barge there it was you saw it with thine own eyes all right now we'll go get you a peppermint stick by the way, speaking of something you just mentioned, do you know what happens uh, it, like, uh, in a month and a half? Uh, Haley's Comet returns. That is correct. Haley's Comet does return. Or Halley's Comet. But also... I, I, was, so, I was so chastised. You're going to get mail again. <laughs> the first week of August, Chuck D turns 60. Wow. 
And I know we're speaking to an early September audience at the earliest. So Chuck D is already 60 in, in a futurelings world. I, I, I hope that Mr. Chuck has lived to see his 60th birthday. But can you imagine? You can call him Mr. Chuck. I didn't realize that he was, you know, I knew he was older. Yeah, because he was like a, he was like 28 when Yo Bummer's The Show came out. Yeah. And all a, those other guys were like 19. Right. He but, was the college guy. Yeah, the, he was some graphic design guy who'd been to. College DJ. SUNY or wherever he went. 60 years old. Isn't that crazy? We have to live in a world where Chuck D is 60? I mean, I don't even he think... Should cha- he should change his name to Chuck LX. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> oh, people love Roman numeral jokes. I don't think they do. I think 60 years old is older than Axl Rose. I mean, Yeah, I think that might be true. Older than... Who are the other pops? Oh, you know who's 60? Madonna. Madonna and Prince were, would both be 61, I think. Prince would be. Madonna is. But we kind of live in the post-garbage barge world. We live in the Hmm. world made by that barge. Hmm. Do you uh, talk about your recycling situation? I know here at the at the your homestead here, your temporary quarters here before you move into your new bunker, you've got uh, a section of the dining room that's roped off for for cardboard, newsprint, mixed plastics, tin, (laughs) uh, aluminum. Uh, there, there's, there's quite a bit how of, much tin, how much tin are you producing? <laughs> there's a certain amount of tin, but we're, we're saving that for the war effort. Bronze. Uh, there's, um, there's, as is true, I think in a lot of, uh, West coast cities, um, there's a lot of sort of wiggle about what is recyclable and what isn't. Are you like me? Do you have a, a, a massive chart posted in your kitchen so that you can consult? I have the chart like you, memorized. You go, you go because, horizontally, then you go vertically, and you're like, dairy tubs, yes. But that's the that's the problem with me is that this is stuff that I that I, I overthink, and also it's the time. This is a, a it's a contemporary gauge war. It's also a thing that tears families apart from inside. <laughs> Recycling does. Yes, is this. <laughs> recyclable yes. or not who put this yogurt lid in the recycling right. we ha- talked about this last this week. is this is not three and a half inches diameter <laughs> it is not recyclable one of the people in this household where i currently reside believes that things that should be recyclable are recyclable <laughs> right you can, by force of will right this should be recyclable the person says and i say but unfortunately it isn't recyclable and they say, but it should be, and they put it in the recycling. There should be two boxes. Regular trash is recyclable, should be recyclable. Should be recyclable. And I think their, their, their mentality is, if they keep sending things that should be recyclable to the recycling- <laughs> They'll finally have enough of them, yeah. and the economy of scale will change. That's right. People at that end will <laughs> gradually be shamed into recycling it, because they're like, oh, another one of these like salad spinners. I guess we need to open a new wing. Uh, we, uh, just the other day, I had an unpleasant experience of taking out a bag of trash, which appeared to be recycling because somebody had put the new empty milk gallon carton on top. Right. And so believing that everything below the three things that, you know, the, the, that carton and some other dairy tub were also going to be recycling. I dumped it without a second look into the recycling dumpster oh. only to find a, a, a juicy mixed garbage mess Blech. all over my, my carefully cleaned cardboard and, and, and newsprint and, what, and tin. What I learned the other day was that here in the neighborhood, like I'm, I'm building my new bunker. 
um, recycling and yard waste are on alternate weeks. Oh, we have that. You don't have that? Well, we have it here. Oh, no, no, wait. I think we have yard waste every week, but recycling only on alternate weeks. But in Portland, Oregon. Portland, United States. We don't want to piss off the guy that hates when we say Toronto, Canada. Portland, United States, but it's, a, it's the other Portland. It's West Portland, United States, right. not East Portland. Portland, Cascadia. Uh, Portland has garbage pickup every other week and recycling and yard waste every week. You know what? That's what, that's what I found. Like recycling is expansive enough here now that I produce in volume, at least two to three times the recycling is regular trash. I downsized to this little toy gauge, right. regular trash, trash dumpster. Cause I hardly produce any, but it's a, it's typical sort of Portland nanny state right. that they, that, that that's enforced. Guess what? <laughs> But it's very frustrating out here because I'll fill up a yard waste container. I mean, basically every time I walk out the door, I just fill up yard waste containers as I walk down the street. You just it's vo- kind of my, vomit grass clippings yeah, from your I'm, fingertips. I'm the Johnny Appleseed of of <laughs> uh, of, of English ivy. But um, and I it takes me a long time to fill up a garbage container. But it's the why don't you pick up recycling every week? It drives me absolutely up a tree. Our recycling is always over full, yeah. which means there's spare recycling sitting in a cardboard box, which is allowed, but it's now wet cardboard box because it's Seattle. Uh, also, the issue with the Portland issue, I would think, with regular trash only every two weeks is how much longer every uh, doggy poop bag is going to sit in a hot can. Ugh. Well, you shouldn't put gar- you shouldn't put doggy poop in. Yard waste. Are you saying it should be recyclable? It's it should absolutely not. No, no, it's no, terrible. It's a, I'm saying it's in regular. Oh, waste. it's in the garbage. But if yeah. if Portland is only taking that every other week, oh, it's a hot, stinky mess. Sure, right? but but anymore, it feels like a lot of the recycling that I do is just some sort of performative gaslighting on the part of the of the industrial world. They're just making you. Uh, they've they've convinced me that uh, that putting all these different things into this blue bin means that they go off and are. And through some super train process are turned into park benches and bird seed. And in fact, <laughs> what they're doing is they're being put on barges and dumped in the ocean. Uh, they're turned into park benches and then the park benches are dumped <laughs> in the ocean, I think. So you are wise up. You are a good liberal who believes that um, recycling helps Mother Earth. But you also have heard on some level that it's kind of a con. I'm a good liberal and a cynic. Which is the best liberal. <laughs> yeah, we call those the symbols. Yeah, the, we call them Generation X, the worst generation. So the root of this kind of uh, schizophrenic love affair we have with recycling in America today actually dates back to one particular barge. A barge piled high with, as you might have guessed from our Chuck D-like uh, consonants, garbage. garbage. Uh, in 1987... You were still in high school, or barely, you weren't even in high school. I was a middle schooler. Wow. You, you were in grad school. That's right. I was in I was in the school of hard knocks by then. <laughs> you were riding the rails, probably. Mm-hmm. In 87, I was. Is that true? Yeah. So did you, uh, do you feel like you're kind of disconnected from the current events of 1987 because you didn't get Donahue in your boxcar? The thing about 1987 is it was still a time when information was embargoed to three channels, four newspapers, and and six magazines. So all you had to do was walk past a newsstand. Just make sure your boxcar had Newsweek. Yeah, right. I mean, all, all that had to happen was that you at some point tune in and you would you could get everything in, in one turkey dinner flavored pill 
And then, you know, was it like Willy Wonka? Like you could see each news event happening to your face. Yeah. Oh no, Exxon Valdez. This tastes terrible. Snozberries taste like snozberries. Just as an aside about, you mentioned kind of the density of, uh, of media today, the density of, of, uh, incident. You are my density in the world. Like we, there's too many garbage barges to track. There are. So, uh, I just saw a count of, uh, news density done by measuring the number of full page with New York Times headlines in any given year. Oh. And for much of the Obama era, there were no more than, there was roughly seven per full, year. full with New York Times headlines per year. Uh, we, say like Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. Yeah. When that happened. At, During the, at, Obama, at, administration. At the Obama administration. Yeah. He was very angry, Yeah, but he, uh, he sent John Kerry over and it all worked out. Dow falls 3000 points. Yeah. I'm trying to even think what would have happened that was big. During the Obama administration. Charlotte's, uh, oh. not Charlottesville, uh, 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 the Missouri suburb. Ferguson happens. It's a right, Ferguson uh, happens uh, in big letters. Or um, Pres- uh, uh, Affordable Care Act passes. There you go. Black president elected. Right. Uh, they Hope ca- and... I mean, Hope. I didn't like how they kept running that headline. Black, <laughs> Black, president, Black president elected. elected. Really? Every, every, every day for six months. <laughs> what are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are only in June. We're less than halfway through 2020, and there have been 33 full-width headlines in the, in the New York Times this year. What could there? What is possible? Well, I mean, I guess this I has think been we, a banner year. Yes, that's <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And I'm sure some of these, some of this is some kind of stylistic change, but the right. the growth from seven to 33, I think, is mostly driven by actual news incidents and not by any kind of editorial change. Right. I mean, every day you wake up and go, please, please, let me just open the internet and have it be full of stupid garbage barge and not... We're on pace for a 60 or 70 full-width headline year, every one uh, one or two a week. We can't sustain this. We can't... The center won't hold. So, I mean, my interest doesn't hold, basically. Yeah. Like, the headline literally will say, uh, 3,000 Americans won't die, and then it'll be that shrugging text emoji. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, yeah, just like, just like Tuesday, we get it. Um, but in uh, 1987, when there was less news, there a, just was less news. A single boat could really captivate a nation. And what had happened was the landfills of Staten Island. This is all a, a huge Rube Goldberg machine that starts when the landfills of Staten it Island all starts there. Everything starts there. The, that's right. A, a lot of zombie movies start there. <laughs> Fresh kills is where, where it all begins. Right. There's a lot of, uh, probably fraudulent Republican voters buried there. Mm. Uh, they announced they, it's discovered that the high water table of Staten Island means that, uh, fresh kills, the, the, the fresh kills that are inhabiting fresh kills are mm. leaching into the contaminating the water table and the landfills of Staten Island are going to have to close. So we should stay. We should say that uh, that a kill, right, in the context of Staten Island is. I don't want to look it up. It's well, kind of a water feature. A kill, right? a kill is a, a is a is a, a canal. Didn't, or we, a, didn't we do this once? It's a stream or a. It's a yeah. It's a it's a water course, and so in um, and it's it's uh, descended from the Dutch language. Um, it's uh, it's just a way that nowhere else in America describes their little water waterways as kills, but they do in the borough of Staten Island and in northern New Jersey. I just looked it up, by the way, and I can settle this. Uh, the dictionary defines kill as an act of killing, especially of one animal by another. Hmm. So I hope that helps. There's got to be a further <laughs> definition. Keep reading. Uh, to switch off a lighter engine. Nope. To delete a line, paragraph, or file? No. To overwhelm someone with emotion, as in, hmm. 
you're killing me. The suspense is killing me. Is that really uh, to overwhelm with emotion? The suspense is killing me, I guess. Is suspense an emotion? Uh, not, not really. I guess the reaction to suspense could be an emotion. I, I suppose. Keep going. Uh, I just ran out. I actually do not know if it's in. Kill, krill. Uh, a small uh, phytoplankton. She'll kill. Fish kill. That's why we mentioned it. Like, we mentioned fish kill on Omnibus for some reason. Um, and we explained A kill correctly. is a body of water, most commonly a creek, but also a tidal inlet, river, strait, or arm of the sea, derived from the Middle Dutch kille, or kill in modern Dutch, meaning riverbed or water channel. Mary Moster says, often capitalized. And I don't know if I agree with that. It is often capitalized. I'm not going to capitalize that. Uh, I'm not going to capitalize my kills. So the Arthur kill... Is the big, is the big kill between New Jersey and Staten Island? That's the one that's like the real, the real cut. But we we talk about the we talk about fresh kill a lot because it is where the nine eleven um, waste was. There there was a, a a big landfill there, and that's where all of the rubble from nine eleven was dumped. Yeah, I mean that was that was the biggest landfill for the. Tri-state areas. Fresh kill still open? No. I think they covered it over and made it into tennis courts, right? Oh, that's not the one that's... um, I mean, Flushing Meadows is an old Robert Moses era project to cover. Like, what is now Flushing Meadows was a... Landfill. Dump. Fish kills is being developed as a... Redeveloped as a park. Yeah. So it will be at some point. But but at this time, a lot of New York's... A ton of New York's garbage went out to... um, Kill Van Cull is my favorite. You have favorite kills? I do. I just, I like the Kill Van Call. I've been across it a bunch of times. I just feel like it's a good old kill. Uh, it's the kill that goes between Staten Island and Jersey City. So if you go across the Bay on Bridge, it's the one that you're going across. I don't know. I've, you know, I got, a, I got opinions about everything, Ken. You do have opinions about a lot of kills. Uh, and because of this, Landfill was closing. That becomes a new waste management problem for New York. It's uh, seepage, right? Yeah. Uh, leachate is what they call it. Ugh. Water goes through yards and yards of trash, and basically it percolates. Takes all the mercury and, <laughs> right. and iodine out. Heavy metals. I mean, it's not just gross, rotting stuff. I mean, you don't want that in your in your water, but that could be filtered. Right. But yeah, it could have heavy metals and stuff. So it's a problem for groundwater. And that's something that can close a landfill. Uh, so in the middle of this searching for new landfill solutions, enter Salvatore Avellino. Hey. Now, I don't want you to jump to any conclusions. All right. Just because he's a Long Island businessman who controls all of the trash hauling contracts on Long Island. Okay. And has an Italian-American name. I'm waiting. I don't want you to assume that he's mobbed up. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to take this all at face value. Okay. But Salvatore. He, but he is completely mobbed up. Okay. Like I just don't he, want you to assume it. He's in charge of the trash in New Jersey. Uh in uh, Long Island. In Long Island. Long, oh, okay. Island. Long Island. We just get we just get notes from people when we make when you, when you do basically it's when you do your Italian accent. Oh, when I do my Italian. Yeah. So look, so so you can do it now. But don't but you do an Italian accent. You giving me the trash contract. <laughs> it's You're, a good. I know I kill you. The, the reason I get the letters is that I have a good Italian accent whereas yours is terrible. <laughs> it's a Mario. Hey. Uh, uh and Avellino 
uh, knows a good opportunity when he sees one. He partners with a guy named Lowell Harrison, who I have to assume oh. is not mobbed up because his name is Lowell Harrison. He sounds pretty waspy. Maybe he's their wartime conciliary. Yeah, that's... Uh, or sorry, their peacetime conciliary, I guess. <laughs> he uh, that's when he, he works Tom for the Hagen Washington type. Post. <laughs> and he, uh, the, together, they cook up a deal whereby they can buy 3,000 tons of Long Island trash and get paid $86 uh, a ton. Wait a minute, they're not... They're they're buying it and they're getting paid eighty six dollars a ton. They're taking it off their hands, so they're not buying it. Sorry, they're they're, they're schlepping it. That's right. They they're are, getting paid to schlep. They are what selling it? <laughs> <laughs> it's Is, a futures market. Do we not have a verb for for when somebody pays you to take something? Um, it's the opposite of buy. It's it's yub. It's yeah. They're yubbing it. They're yubbing it. They're yubbing it for eighty six dollars a ton. And they've worked out a plan by which they can take it down to Louisiana, and for a mere five dollars a ton, they can uh, offload it for methane capture. This is a new process because you know rotting trash produces a ton. In fact, eleven percent of all human methane comes from landfills. Oh, I know it. And this is a big greenhouse gas. And more to the point, it's the greenhouse gas you can do something about. Carbon sure. dioxide will stay in the atmosphere for centuries. Methane you can capture and use to barbecue. Yeah, and it uh, it only lasts for like a decade. So you can really like do short-term uh, climate benefit by pulling methane out of the air. And yeah, and so, and there's a you make natural gas out of it. Right. There's a market for it. So not only is he, you know, so he's, he's, uh, Salvador, Salvatore can be making money uh, three different ways on both ends here. Yeah, well, three, it, three ways. Yeah. If he gets, if he partners with the people in Louisiana and ends up profit sharing from the sale of the methane. Yeah, I think it's only two ways. I think he is still going to pay five dollars a ton to Louisiana, right, to get the stuff buried there. And they're making cash, but he's going to share in some of the methane revenue uh, in addition to what he's getting from. See, this Long is Island. why we can't tax the rich, Ken, because, <laughs> because they make money making money. Like if if we kept a businessman like this from moving garbage from New York to Louisiana, right, with with onerous tax rates, right, he would just be like, you know what, I'm not going to move I'm this trash to Louisiana. This is why communism failed because in Hungary there was somebody that said, I want to buy this trash and sell it to another trash person, and the Hungarian government was like, can't do it, can't do it. <laughs> And so the trash just Salvatore will just sit there, just piled up. It filled in. Uh, it filled in. The you tax me, and- I tax you. <laughs> He's gonna say, "You come here on this is the day of my daughter's wedding." Yeah. I don't know why Mario is is Don Corleone now. <laughs> so so he so so this seems like a good deal to everybody. He's gonna make so much money. Uh, unfortunately, it's a very hastily conceived plan, and his partner Lowell Harrison, who's supposed to be the um, the the ideas guy. The, sure, he's the, the preppy he, face. He gets the 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 dots, the eyes dotted, and the T's crossed. Right. While he, he talks to City Hall, while Avellino is, um, you know, whacking Sunny or whatever. Uh, he is unable to do the deal with Louisiana, but he thinks he can make a deal with Moorhead, North Carolina, to to get a methane capture operation up and running. Sure, Moorhead is the is the Louisiana of North Carolina. So the Mobro Four Thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Which really sounds like a future haircutting robot, maybe. Yeah, the Mobro. Uh, it's it's sort of for Moody Brothers of Jacksonville. It's just a it's a bar it's a barge making outfit out of Florida. Sure. Um, so the Mobro Four Thousand. I knew the, Florida had to get involved at some point. The Florida man makes the garbage barge of tomorrow, the Mobro Four Thousand, and it leaves Long Island heading for Moorhead, North Carolina, with like thirty two hundred tons of uh, uh, 
outer borough garbage aboard. How did they get the garbage onto the barge? Oh, that's an interesting question. Like, it's a big, huge pile of garbage, a big pile of leaching garbage, but it's got to get onto the barge somehow. Was it just like a bunch of guys it's in just, with It's going to be bulldozers, right? Yeah, like it's, I guess. It's just going to be like a... Like, I'm, I'm imagining this landfill with big yellow equipment pushing this stuff onto a boat. Think about the number of guys named Pussy that had no work contracts <laughs> that were sitting in folding chairs eating, watching uh, this go. E- eating cannoli. <laughs> <laughs> um, but however it gets loaded, it gets loaded. Unfortunately, as it's approaching Moorhead, North Carolina, uh, some kind of local enterprising action news reporter... Oh, boy. Uh, you know. 1987. I think it's April O'Neil from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right. She does a piece on this, and... She had so much feathered hair. <laughs> right. I can picture her now. <laughs> on Action Action 6 News or whatever. Big shoulder pads in her gray jacket. She does a piece on the Mobro 4000, and visible in her coverage is a bedpan. This turns out to be a pivotal bedpan. Huh. Maybe. People recognize what a bedpan is, and they don't want it in their neighborhood. Well, it's, it's full of urine. The problem with a bedpan is it's suggestive of medical waste. And this would not be the first time that the, that the Long Islander Jersey mob has tried to solve a trash problem when there was medical waste mixed up in the commercial and residential trash, and they said there wasn't. So when was the, when was the environmental disaster in, where, um, where a barge full of medical waste dumped it uh, in the ocean, and all of the syringes washed up in New Jersey. I had totally forgotten that, but the syringe tides were eighty-seven and eighty-eight, so, so exactly the same time frame. Yeah, and, and this honestly, this Action Six News might have been a response to this because that was that was very traumatic, even to those of us watching from the West Coast. The idea that you would go down to the beach on a summer day and syringes just poking up out of the sand were washing up on the beaches like uh it really felt like and that was also a fresh kills originated problem is that right yeah uh, that that's maybe the first time i heard of fresh kills it's um but no feet no it's not a it's not like a vancouver canada foot foot infestation i'd rather be in the i'd rather be in the foot part of the country than the syringe part of the country the feet gross you out but uh they're just, they're kind of contained. I would never go to the beach again if well, there might be needles sticking out of the sand. They're contained in tennis shoes, the feet. Sure. If it was a tennis shoe full of syringes, it wouldn't be an issue, but there's syringes everywhere. And that's, that's like a legitimate public health issue. This is not just some, this is not just some blue nose panic. I mean, well, we, we were. This is height of the AIDS crisis, right? So syringes. <laughs> I mean, just, did I, did we talk about this before? We were working at a, we were volunteering at a at a kind of a lunch kitchen type place. And my daughter was organizing some of the canned goods in the boxes and she poked her finger on some needle that was just sitting on a shelf, you know, left over from whatever uh, homeless person had decided to use that closet. Oh briefly. no. So she had to go get HAP and HIV testing. Oh, and, no. You know, uh, you don't want to mess around with, with needles, but you're right. I mean, the, the hysteria over, um, over AIDS at the time would have made this rational hysteria probably irrational. Added some irrational to it as well. Yeah. Uh, and the city fathers of Moorhead, North Carolina, are. Say, I, I should say, and I hate to interrupt you, but you know the needle 
uh, the needle tied or whatever actually ended up in We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. What's the lyric? He actually re- references hypodermics. Hypodermics on the shore. That's right. And then he says, um, I.K. Brunel Gage Wars. Yeah. No, no, he Lenny says, Bruce and Lester Banks. <laughs> birthday party cheesecake. Uh, no, Rock and Roller Cola Wars. So, Morehead, North Carolina refuses the barge. And in fact, there is no medical waste aboard oh. aboard the Mobro 4000. It's just regular good old-fashioned waste. It's mostly commercial. It's office waste. It's cardboard. It's papers. Oh. Foam rubber. Maybe some refrigerators. That's, maybe that stuff a, would just bulk up North Carolina. Maybe a tire or two. Uh-huh. Yeah, so North Carolina is uh, unreasonably upset because of a single, what appears to be a single image of a bedpan. Um, well, and this is, this is old North Carolina too. This is, um, this is the, this is the North Carolina of the eighties. They don't want your Yankee problems and your your Yankee trash. This is is a Jesse Helms, North Carolina. So that leaves the Mobra 4000 without a destination. So for the next couple of months, what you have is a, it's a tugboat, by the way, the break of dawn with its three man crew. I love that. The break of dawn. What a, what a nice name for a tugboat. Have you ever wanted to be a tugboat captain? The break of dawn. Uh, I really, really did. You know, growing up in Puget Sound as a kid, uh, we lived over in Kingston, Washington when I was little and the tugboats were the most prominent feature on the landscape at the time. You know, this is before huge container ships, Applied our inland waterway. Oh, I remember the and tugboat was the most a tugboat with a barge was the most exciting thing you might see. Oh, the Foss tugboats, like the 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 really big, beautiful ones with their you know they because the, their motors were so powerful that you could hear them from miles and miles away if you were close to the shore. You know, you'd hear that before you could even see them. I love the tugboats. The mating call of the tugboat. I, I really did dream about working on a on a tugboat. And now I realize that my whole life has been a sham. <laughs> Are you going to leave in the middle of this podcast? <laughs> like, what am I doing? Footsteps, <laughs> cut, 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 slam. <laughs> That's the sound of you becoming a tugboat captain. Uh, so this crew of three ends up pushing this barge down the. Down. They're, pu- they're pushing it, not pulling it. That's a good question. They're probably pulling it actually. Probably. I, I just saw a picture. I think they're pulling it. Uh, pulling this barge down the eastern seaboard. North Carolina doesn't want the trash. Alabama doesn't want the trash. Mississippi doesn't want the trash. Louisiana. Oh, so they went around Florida. Louisiana and Texas, all all refusing the trash, uh, and and Florida, and and that's that's now uh, every state. I guess South Carolina and Georgia were not asked apparently because they're not on my list. <laughs> but every other state on the Gulf uh, refuses this thirty two hundred tons. Of trash. You would think before you made the trip all the way to Texas that you could have made a few phone calls. Come on, Lil Harrison. Right? It's not like, oh, let's just take it next door. This has got to be taking weeks. I remember this though. I mean, this was a this this like barge on its on its lonely quest. Every, with every passing day, it became more and more of a saga. It's really a saga. It is a saga because it's a. Uh... You know, it's a single boat at sea with no hope of getting, you know, with no destination. Nobody, nobody wants it. Uh, all eyes are on it. Go- governments start refusing it. The government of Mexico uh, says they won't take it. The government of Belize says they won't take it. The government of the Bahamas Is this says all they because won't take it. it now has a reputation as a medical waste 
like a barge teeming with with hepatitis, or is it just that um, that Guatemala doesn't want to take something that North Carolina didn't want? Yeah, this is domino effect from North Carolina refusing the trash. Nobody wants to be trash's plan B. Right. Uh, if what if New York and North Carolina both said no here? North Carolina's too good for it. And I think, um, you know, now that I'm, I'm looking at a map of the route, and it seems like maybe it did not go all the way into the Gulf. I mean, maybe there were phone calls. I'm not sure it got farther than Key West. But um, Oh, interesting. It got to Key West and then could already tell it wasn't going to be welcome in, in Galveston. Oh, no, this is, this is not true. It was, uh, it was well into the Gulf of Mexico. By the time that the, the uh, a second landfill in Louisiana, in Avondale, Louisiana, had agreed to take it, and then the state shut that down while the break of dawn and the barge are tooting across the Gulf of Mexico. Huh. And at that point, Mississippi, Alabama, and Texas are already uh, already say no. And uh, in Belize, in fact, the military—I'm sure the Belizean military <laughs> is like is three guys in a dinghy, but but they're ordered to keep <laughs> no, you, careful surveillance. Belize too. I was in Belize a couple months ago, and uh, it's a, it feels like a rinky-dink operation. The country is a is a medium-sized city, and there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, but yeah, the the military is ordered to keep an eye on the bards to make sure nobody tries to get it on board. So they go back to Key West and they stop there to try to figure out what they're going to do. And it's not such a bad life for the the crew of three aboard the tugboat. They say there's no smell really because it really is just, you know, old clothes and carpet scraps, but they're getting flies every time they, (laughs) every time they get close to land, they get flies and the flies follow them. And so they get the flies from North Carolina. They get the flies from Louisiana. Every time they get close, they get more flies. How long Will a fly follow a barge? This might be the this might be the test case. Like, how far can a fly, fly? migrate? Well, I mean, you've effectively given it a new island to live on. So, right, you, you've created a new ecosystem off miles off the coast of Key West, and America is just going nuts because it's such an unlikely story, and it's not clear how it's going to end, and it really kind of speaks to a kind of new environmental. Feeling that, that this is some sign, this is the canary in the coal mine of some new crisis. Johnny Carson, of course, is making jokes every night about. Of course, oh, oh, did you did you hear about this? Ed, this garbage barge. We could, maybe we could send it to the Ayatollah in Iran. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you are right, sir. D- Dan Rather, uh, <laughs> this is great. Dan Rather is quoted as saying, "It's the it, this is the most watched garbage barge in history." Hmm. And you, right. have to, and you have to wonder sure. what, what he thinks is in second place. <laughs> <laughs> it's setting a new standard. Uh, I mean, Dan, Dan Rather, of all of us, probably was watching more garbage barges than your average American. Yeah, he's probably got his, he's got his finger on the pulse. Uh, finally, they turn around at Key West and they head back north where everybody is kind of preemptively saying, New Jersey saying, no, 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 we're not going to take it. Right, it's coming back. Well, you know, and all of this, these guys are... Have have got to be bleeding money at this point. Six thousand dollars a day it is costing to keep the uh, oh. nineteen eighty seven dollars. Salvatore thought he was going to make an easy buck. Yeah, what are they going to have to do? They're going to have to shake down their strip clubs or something. Yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, 
Ed Koch, the mayor of New York at the time. There he is, Ed Koch, problem solver. Tries to make some deal to find a home for it in Queens, a home for the trash. And he says, we're going to treat this like... uh, It came from New York and back to New York. Yeah, by way of Belize. (laughs) And uh, Koch says, you know, we're going to treat this like Germany treated Lenin. You know, like when when Lenin returned from Switzerland to Russia, it was in some sealed train car. Right. And this was Koch's approach. Like, you know, nobody's going to have to worry about this. You know, I don't want any communities up in arms. New Jersey doesn't have to worry. Staten Island doesn't have to worry. Nobody's going to see the trash. New York's going to take it. Take yeah. care of it. And then the Queen's Bureau Council files a restraining order. Saying, <laughs> like, we, we don't know what's in this. They said, like, now that it's been to Belize, they're like, this thing could be, even if even if this was certified as just being carpet scraps, like, this could now could have any kind of tropical, it, tropical insects and vermin, they say. Oh, I see. So even though it didn't touch down in Belize, sure. it attracted some Belizean flies who are now mating with the Louisiana flies. And this is and this box. is some kind of northern hemisphere paranoia that just just by touching the the developing world of Latin America, we've now got insects and vermin. Now I I know that this is this is maybe a culturally a little little bit of a stretch, but the um, the Queen's rapper LL Cool J had a song shortly after this called "To the Break of Dawn." Do you think that he was referencing? The uh the the break of dawn and the and the scandal of uh, of this garbage. Like we, we thought he was talking about. I don't know the song, but ro- probably rocking some lady till uh, the break of dawn. You know, it was uh, because Sugar Hill Gang had uh, in Rapper's Delight. There's a reference to like the beat goes on till the break of dawn. I see. It's a party. And so yeah, it's like a you keep going. But he was also the hot the hottest rapper, the one that the one whose pecs the ladies admired. They do True. love him. True. It's in his name. Ladies do love Cool J. You, you can't deny that ladies love Cool J. But you James. know, the the Queen's connection, the break it down, it all uh, seems You think it be, might be about a tugboat. I'm feeling like... Do you think Dan I Rather Do you think Dan Rather would think that was the world's best rap song about a tugboat? Uh, uh, we can't discount it. It's possible. Inspiration comes a myriad of ways. So over two months later, the trash is finally over the objections of the Queen's and Brooklyn Bureau presidents, returns back to Islip, New York, where it started where it's uh, it docks in Brooklyn, it's incinerated there, and I think it's it's the ashes are returned to the Islip Town Dump, exactly where it started. Oh, it's but the but it's incinerated. Yes, to get rid of I assume wow. all, all the tropical grody. Uh, wow, the creepy crawlies and all, all of the flies too go up in what what probably is recorded in fly history as the greatest Holocaust of all time. The flies all fly away. And probably become an invasive species uh-huh. in, in Iceland. They become murder, murder hornets. In New York. Yeah, that's where the murder <laughs> hornets came from. Uh, but the, so the, the voyage of the barge itself is strange enough. But what happens to America is even stranger, like having to confront these images. I mean, images on a TV are powerful. Yes. You, can, you could argue that it was TV coverage that, that dwindled away American support for the Vietnam War, for example, right. in a way that... You know, even it's the pictures of the of the flag draped coffins that that the Pentagon doesn't want you to see more than the coffins themselves. Exactly, and and you know, very you know, very vivid the, the famous photo of the crying girl, the video of the Buddhist monk. You know, the image is a powerful thing. Right. So America has been told that we're we're facing environmental crises. 
possible global warming, possible mass species die-offs. But suddenly here's an image on the news every night to say, now it's actually happening. Look, there's no room for this trash. That's right. And the implication is that by the time we arrived at a place where the garbage was overflowing onto barges to be taken other places, when those places say you can't bring your garbage here, your mind imagines that meanwhile, more barges are filling up with garbage in, in Staten Island, also looking for a home. The, 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 the earth soon is crisscrossed with orphan barges. At least that's what I imagined. Yeah, New York City generates 40,000 tons of garbage a day. So, like, if this, if this little barge and little cute little Scuffy the tugboat can't find a home, what hope is there for the rest of us? So it seems like an impending omen of ecological disaster. Right. And the EPA springs into action. Hey, um, there they are. And did they did they turn off all the ghost catching devices and <laughs> and uh, cause dogs and cats to start sleeping together? Uh, it's true, John. This man has no. D- At the time, the recycling had not taken off in America. Uh, huh. Recycling was maybe like 15% of American eligible garbage was recycled. Right. And the EPA immediately says, you know, we've seen this, we've heard your concern. It's obviously a media-friendly concern, so we are going to act. Everyone turns to the EPA. Uh, even though the president was Republican, the EPA would still do stuff, which is maybe not true of our era. <laughs> America's most beloved institution, the Environmental Protection Agency. I've been doing a bunch of, EPA is a common crossword entry. And, oh. and the cl- clue will often be like, agency that's concerned with toxic waste. And I, every time I do it today, I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> I mean, maybe three years ago they were, but they're really not. Not anymore. Uh, so the EPA sets a hard target. 25% of U.S. trash will be recycled by the year 1990, whatever. And states start setting even harder targets. Like, a, by 1970, we're going to go land a man on the moon. We're going to land a, a trash barge on Belize and bring him uh, safely back to Earth. Uh, New York and California set a 50% target. Rhode Island sets the highest one in the country. Rhode Island says we can recycle 70% of our trash. That's what they say about Rhode Island's leader, (laughs) national leader. Leader in trash. Uh, And so this is kind of the dawn of our modern era of being very concerned about just how much we're recycling and feeling like it's never enough because we're in this precarious position. I had no idea. That this was the because when I when you think about it, of course, I don't I don't remember recycling. Uh, you, you'd keep your pop bottles if there was a if there was a three cent refund. Yeah, and I think I think you we always recognized that you could recycle aluminum cans, right? Aluminum was valuable, but we didn't put. And I guess do you remember newspaper drives? Yes, but like from World War Two. <laughs> 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 were you going to fight the Hun? Like, what were you guys doing? So newsprint is extreme, is extremely recyclable. Uh, you know, new, newspapers can be reprinted on recycled paper that comes from 100% other newsprint, and it's fine. And that used to be a huge use of trees. Like, forests were disappearing to the Washington Post because there'd be two editions a day and right. millions of copies. We That's not a problem anymore for newspapers. My Cub Scout troop in the mid-70s uh, recycled newsprint, and we would fill up tractor trailers with newsprint gathered from all the sort of neighborhoods around Innes Arden. Um, 
It was like a big, it was the, maybe the, my first experience with recycling. Our recycling um, fervor doesn't last long before it butts up against what new movements always butt up against, which is cranky contrarianism. Oh, my second favorite. In 1996, John Turney, a journalist, uh, writes a long piece in, I think, the New York Times Sunday Magazine called Recycling is Garbage. Oh, boy. And this is the origin of what has kind of become the new conventional wisdom about recycling, which is, you thought it was good, but guess what? It's not. Oh, this is the origin. It goes this far back. 1996 is kind of the origin of every libertarian or just clever, self-consciously clever, dumb contrarian of all types, and I guess I repeat myself there, Uh uh, telling you that actually you're a dope and recycling's bad. Right. Because John Turney, who is kind of a libertarian, contrarian guy, like if, if you've ever read a thing about how Silent Spring was junk science... Yeah, or uh, uh, the Obama administration was dumb for new regulation on X. Like that was probably I've John read them all. This is his beat, and he's got a beef with recycling in this very long piece, which holds that it's uh, unprofitable. Right. Uh, you know, he he makes a big thing about how much time it takes each person to to sort their garbage. Sure. And if you were to actually pay that person oh, a, yeah, a wage all, for that, that's time, a lost money. That's what I think in my kitchen when I'm yeah. separating this stuff. Is like if I were getting. I get a hundred dollars an hour. If I were for getting this. fifteen bucks an hour here, and you could, and he points out that if you did take those costs into account, it would actually be cheaper to. You could actually take all that recycling and build a used car out of it and buy it from a Toyota lot. Like you could turn it into a Toyota Tercel and buy it at the cost of a used car, and that would still be more cost effective. Wait, if I made a ter- Toyota Tercel out of garbage, why would I then buy it? Or you know you sell I, it. To, I see the flaw. You sell, in his it to, you sell it to someone else. You have to yub the tercel. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to make a tercel out of uh, out of dairy tubs and yogurt lids. Well, you've clearly never tried to make a tercel. I mean, you've got a ton of tin in your dining room, so yeah, and you, recycled newspaper. So you're ahead of the neighbors, <laughs> uh-huh. and you've got all the recycled newspaper from Innes Arden. <laughs> uh, so he, and he points out that it's it's inefficient. Yeah, you know that uh, that a lot of these recycling processes take more oh people get mad when i say processes process process <laughs> processes like the canadians say. processes a lot of these processes take more energy than the, it would to you know cut down new trees and make right. new paper right or to make new plastic or whatever uh and more to the point it's just unnecessary that the it's just vi- liberal cucks being liberal cucks. The visual of the barge was misleading he points out this one barge was having a series of problems due to some bad regulatory and PR and uh, and mob logic luck. Yeah, it's a it's a not all barges issue. <laughs> right. But in fact, New York is still exporting seven Mobro 4000s a day full of trash, and they all go somewhere just fine. And, and what he points out is that, really, if you take, if you project out America's garbage production for the next thousand years, right? and you, so you take the, America's garbage for the year 3000, and you bury it a hundred yards deep. Uh, we're, we're probably talking to America's Garbage from the year 3000. You've actually seen this happen, folks. So this is John Turney predicting the city where you now live. A hundred yards deep of garbage. It would actually fit in a square 35 miles on a side. Okay. And you can see what he's doing here. He's making it sound tiny. Oh, I see. 35 miles per side. That is Rhode Island. He's saying a hundred yards by saying instead of 300 feet. So you don't have to imagine a 30-story building of garbage. This is a lot of garbage. Right. It's just a hundred yards. And then he's saying 35 miles square instead of saying over a thousand square miles. Which he very easily could say. 
Right. But he wants you to point, he wants to point out that all of our garbage could be compressed into a small cube and it would be, you know, the size of a small national forest or whatever. Like it's not, it's not going to be the overflowing landfill situation that we imagined. And I don't know if you had this experience growing up in the 80s. We've talked about 80s Cold War paranoia, but I also had 80s environmental paranoia. For sure. In the post-Greenpeace era. For sure. Like the acid rain was going to melt our statues. We were going to lose all of our forests and then we would have no more oxygen. The rainforest is burning down and then how do we breathe? Well, a, you list, know, a list of cute animals like like harp seals and manatees that are losing and habitat. Those tiny little owls that we were that people were going to barbecue up here in in towns like Randall and Packwood. And this was all true, by the way. Like there is a mass extinction going on. <laughs> the rainforest is getting burned down. Like right. Like my my hippy dippy fourth grade teacher was not wrong. Look, I'm not mocking it. But it just in a very visceral way, we were told to imagine just these choked skies, and in particular garbage just coming out of the ground and i remember our fourth grade class <laughs> garbage fountain trying to brainstorm what we would do and and i remember just being very smart i was thinking well it, this all came from from mines right it came from petroleum and well, let's just shove it back down the mines and i felt like i was going to get the nobel prize for this suggestion but this was just how visceral the idea was that the, the ground was just teeming with with tires and refrigerators. Well, you know, I became a recycling nut because I um, because I believed that all of these things could be then reduced to their constituent parts. And we've done an omnibus episode on everything into oil, um, which you recall. Everything into oil. Everything into oil. D- please do not quiz me about... <laughs> <laughs> that oh we were we were talking about that being an addenda episode where we quiz each other on old episodes. True or false? We did an episode <laughs> on everything about oil. True. True or false? Did I mention? Yeah, I think I could. I think I could give you a sentence summary of every episode we've done, but that's probably about it. But you remember the the uh, the idea I I put forth on my other podcast, Roderick on the Line, the invention of the super train, which yes. was a train that went from landfill to landfill with a giant claw. And took all the old refrigerators that were full of of uh, trace ele- trace elements of molybdenum and and, uh, and cobalt, cobalt, and recycled it all down and and turned into and basically made to- Toyota Torcells the entire way, <laughs> sold them and then rebought them. You, it just produces a track made of Toyota Tercels as you go spitting them out from right. the front of the train. And- so this is what I believed. I mean, this wasn't going to bring back the spotted owl or the or the. Um, the rainforest, except by extension, we would need to kill fewer spotted owls because we would be recycling more newspaper. You're certainly going to be um, mad about John Turney's idea of making just one big thousand square mile landfill. Because where does your train go? Just around the landfill, it'd I be a narrow gauge train. It's like Disneyland. <laughs> you just, yeah, you just it's build a, little just tunnels. A, a and train around the edge that you just take when your feet are tired. Uh, and Turney also points out that this. this this um, thousand square mile landfill he wants to kind of wave away with his hands would be environmentally benign. Who like is the, this ding dong, by the way? Who is Tierney? Is he like a thinker, or is he just a just some dope with a with a show on Fox? Well, he's probably still alive. He's a he's a living libertarian who probably has online fans. So let's say nice things about him, or they're going to be oh wait 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 they're going to be dicks to us. He might listen to the show. You know, we have a lot of listeners. It, he could be one, and he could be right now composing an angry letter. Well, just I mean, send I'm, it to Ken at. To this day, if you find an article 
actually you by saying that the gender pay gap is not real yeah. or that e-cigarettes shouldn't be regulated or, or whatever it is. Right. It's going to come from this Agree guy. because both. Because <laughs> we all do. <laughs> but because, you know, this this kind of uh, unthinking liberal misinformation is like catnip right, to, right, right. to this guy. Um, and this is 1996. This is kind of ground zero for this belief that I think we all kind of have that, well, you know, I know I'm doing the right thing here, but a lot of this recycling is kind of bogus. Yeah. And it's true and it's not true. Uh, he is not wrong in that there are plenty of recycling processes where it or takes processes or processes as we or say processes or processes as we say in Canada processes mm-hmm. in Quebec that require more energy going in than going out. Like uh, aluminum and steel are the most efficient things to uh, recycle. Right, and aluminum. There's not a lot of it. Costs money. It takes a lot of money to get aluminum out of the ground. It's a lot easier to take uh, old steel and turn it into new steel than it is to take. Or and turn it into steel. Uh, plus all the environmental impacts of getting that stuff out of the ground as it gets harder and harder. Uh, newsprint also, as I've mentioned, is pretty good. Uh, pretty good way to save some trees. But mixed paper and plastics are kind of a nightmare to recycle, and that's not something that's gotten much better today. There's just so many different kinds of plastic. Glass is easy to recycle. Glass is pretty good, yeah. And you don't have to separate by color. I guess that's. I guess that's a myth. Maybe, oh, really? I don't know what you, I don't know what you do. You just recycle everything into brown glass. We used that to like recycle. artisanal ginger beers come in. So now, my, uh, I think we've talked about this on the show before, but I feel like some of this stuff, aluminum and glass, could be recycled in the home, in the sense that you could build a little engine, a little aluminum smelter, and uh, and smelt it down into ingots. This is your Chairman Mao idea that yeah, everybody then, should have a little. <laughs> And then uh, you, a, 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 tr- a truck comes by and you put like your your ten ingots out there and and you and you get uh, you get thirty two dollars. Well, the home version of this that you really can do is the two things that come before recycle. You know, you can reduce or reuse. Right. And and you know if you can if you can find some way to reuse your uh, your aluminum can by collecting. Baking grease in it or something, <laughs> right? Well, that's that's using it twice. You've used it then and used it again. So I guess yeah, you You've you didn't have it. to go buy a a, <laughs> a new <laughs> aluminum can like I often do, and I I just get some flavor of soup I don't like that's on sale. I pour the soup down the drain and then use it as a grease trap, and then I catch baking grease in do it. Do you buy and consume beverages in plastic bottles at your home? Not very much. Right. Uh, I feel like we're mostly an aluminum can family and that's better right i think so yeah i mean you can make all the plastic bottles into bird feeders and whatnot like the, all the reduce reuse recycle is like you know arts and crafts projects really several years ago i went to um i was invited to attend the conference on world affairs right. at uh, the university of colorado and one of the panels i was on featured a guy who had kind of an amazing resume. One of these people at the conference on world affairs where you're like, Oh, he was, he's this kind of scientist, but he also invented the hot air balloon. And he also, uh, he worked for the defense department and he had all this, he, all these accolades and every panel he was on. And I saw him several times. He found a way to turn the conversation to the fact that plastic bottles were full of this BP H hormone. And even the ones that said that, they didn't have it. They were lying. They had just changed the name of MSG to to something else. And he would he actually would rant like 
like once he got started, he would he would he would go crazy. Don't let your daughters drink out of plastic bottles. Like they would have to pull him off the microphone. BPA. BPA. And um and he was convinced that it was causing nine year old girls to go through puberty. It was, you know, it was kind of it was leaching into the soils and making us all uh liberals. It was like making was, the frogs gay. It was really bad stuff. Uh so recycling it or no, it doesn't matter. Yeah, there's uh, the issue with plastics, I think, is that, um, you know, plastics require fossil fuels to make. Right. And in theory, that's something we're trying to wrap up as much as possible. You want to think. Uh, so do you remember the news story about Lego trying to figure out some bioplastic that's just as good as Lego plastic so they can do it without petro- petroleum products? But, I, th- I but, think no. I think they did. Like within a year, they they were like, "Yeah, we did it. We we've made the new." They're Scandinavian. They can do anything. Sure. And what is it made out of? Potato starch. Uh, yeah, it's Onions. all the it's all the potatoes you're not eating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, John Roderick, send your potatoes to Billund, Denmark. <laughs> uh, so, you know, even if these, I, I feel like the problem with Tony's argument is that even if these things, first of all. We do not expect it to be profitable. I mean, what a straw man. Like, guess right. what? Most most waste disposal systems in America are not profitable. Right. Like we, we're not mad <laughs> right. at the dump of it's not making a profit. Also, so, my I, I my my work around the house is not billed at a hundred dollars an hour. <laughs> right. Second of all, even if these things are inefficient, uh, you know, we wanna have the we wanna have the processes in our pocket for a world where we can use less stuff, where there are scarcities of the you know, even if right now aluminum is the only scarcity, that won't always be true. Sure, it's like the Chinese building trains in Africa. Who knows? Who knows what they're for? That's right. Uh, and uh, and finally, he's not 100%. Like, he was mostly right about landfills. There was no landfill crisis in the late 80s. The garbage barge kind of tricked us. We still um, have all of Nevada. <laughs> there's still so much room. This is not like in the top. If you were asking an environmentalist, what are the 100 biggest concerns? You know, as a kid, I would have put, you know, choked landfills in my top five. And they're not going to be in, in, in her top 100. But there are problems in building landfills today. It's not as, as uh, trivial as he makes it seem. There's tons of problem solving due to, I mean, often just NIMBY stuff like. Where does it go? Where does it go? But also trucking, it's, I mean, it's a, lot, a source of a lot of pollution just to move that garbage around. That's true. And incredibly expensive because of all, you know, the liners you've got to put in the dirt. You've got to... Um, you got to be collecting all the leachate that we've talked about so it doesn't get into groundwater. You've got to have ongoing groundwater testing. So you've got to build in all these sensors so that the the landfill will be environmentally benign for for centuries. Um, so it's not it's not easy. Landfills are still an ongoing concern. I'm one hundred percent certain that there is a future link listening to the program, probably more than one, who's going to reveal that they are a landfill design engineer and our future links Facebook page is going to have a long thread where people chime in and go, I also am in landfill construction and we're going to learn three times as much as we learned today. It'll be great in the next addenda episode today. If this were to happen again to the Mobro 4,000, uh, it would have an immediate destination. Did you read the story last year about Norway, uh, fretting because it had run out of trash? Oh, Nor- Norway, one of the, uh, a big source of power in Norway is whatever kind of clean trash incineration they have going on. Yeah. And they are just too efficient now. These Nordics, they are not, they're, they're reducing and reusing and recycling so much 
that they don't have enough trash to incinerate to power the stuff they need. Surely Belarus is producing an abundance of, of trash. Somebody nearby. Norway needs trash. But what about all this hullabaloo a couple of years ago where the where all the recycling we were sending to China, uh, the Chinese were like, actually, that was all a sham and we don't want your trash anymore. I think they did. I think they did want it. But then a lot of the economies changed. They they no longer had a shortfall of oh, of, right. of paper and plastics or whatever it was they were taking. I think they were taking a lot of our mixed paper, maybe. And it did, it no longer was profitable. Yeah, now they, now they're self sustaining. You know, they they have other ways to get that. Maybe maybe it's um, they're planting a lot of softwood trees. I think so. I think they've replaced some of those sources, and so now the economies of recycling don't necessarily work. But you know, to John Turney's point. That doesn't mean it's bad just because right just because different, it's not, different segments of it are more efficient than others yeah you can always find a find a way to say a thing isn't profitable but you know how how do you put a price on the profit that you feel in your soul yeah the pleasure I feel when I separate trash honestly like that's and that's more than just that you feel virtuous. I mean, for me, my one of my jobs around the house is to take our mountain of recycling and compress it down so that it fits into the recycling bin. And it usually takes me two hours to sit and dismantle all the cardboard boxes, crush the cans. It's like it's like a, a meditative time uh, every week that I would pay. I would absolutely pay. I would pay the city of Islip, New York. I would pay John Turney. Uh, give me, give me your your huddled garbage yearning to breathe free. And that concludes the garbage barge entry five one five dot l a zero three four five, certificate number two six five six one, in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are archived at at Omnibus Project. Our handles were at Ken Jennings, where he's busy owning the conserves. I don't think that's a thing. And at John Roderick, where I'm busy getting owned. So if you want to see both sides of Twitter, you can just go to our respective feeds. We don't interact that much on social you and media. You me? Yeah. Well, no, because you're, you know... You're like playing to the cheap seats. It's a different ecosystem. I'm, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm filling stadiums, John. Yeah, that's right. But every once in a while, you know, you, uh, you reply. I'll reply. I say a, sometimes get in there, get in there with a funny line. You, you, you retweeted or replied to something of mine yesterday. Oh yeah, you had you have people you have people impersonating you on on the internet. Don't fall for any fake John Rodericks. Well, surely you do too. Aren't there aren't there fake Ken accounts? I don't know. Are there? It's easy to do a fake John account because all you have to do is is um, is claim that you're all about one love, one vision. And is Ringo Starr a, a fake John Roderick account? <laughs> John Rastafari. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, I, I, but I got a lot of replies from people that work at Facebook and Instagram and Twitter saying like, "Oh, Leslie, we'll we'll try and help you out with that. You know, we're going to start an internal process, internal audit." I was like, yeah, that's fine. Y'all, Who are they? Y'all go. Are they angry ex fans? Go in peace. Who the, 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 the no? The I think the fake accounts Roderick's. are just bots. They just they go find somebody with followers and then they 
scrape a picture of them off of the internet and they combine it with some with some nothing and then they they automatically or they auto they auto follow all of you, the people following you and it's somebody in Belarus all the fake yeah. Rodericks are in Belarus then they try and sell you watches uh, you can go to my Instagram where all the all the excitement happens um, you can email us both at theomnibusproject at gmail.com really now you're emailing Ken's wife Mindy who is reading all of our mail because she's part of a because she's nosy she's a, no, she's a nosy she's, wife she's Jessica Fletcher she wants to know <laughs> what's going on in the village um, you can go to our fan groups on Facebook and Reddit and Discord and hang out with like-minded futurelings. You, you and I do answer the mail, by the way. We do. Like, we answer the mail. Like Mindy uh, fields uh, people who want their Patreon prize or whatever. Yeah, she sorts she sorts the mail, but we we do reply to the mail. We do. Um, uh, the various the various groups, uh, depending on the internal culture of the social media platform, may be more or less welcoming of. Uh, divisive talk. If you want to say things about us that are less generous, perhaps go to Reddit, the worst of all places. <laughs> uh, we don't shut down threads on the Facebook if people are complaining about us, do we? Yeah, but they don't really complain about us. The threads get shut down on Facebook because people start, start fighting with each, each other. They start fighting with each other. Yeah, yeah. fighting with each other about, Please. about things. The enemy's not in here. It's out there, folks. Uh, you know, my show Friendly Fire which has a similar listenership to Omnibus or a you know similar uh and I and I think maybe even similar demographically the social media presence for uh, for Omnibus fans is universally kind of positive and smart thoughtful not friendly fire friendly fire those people are constantly arguing not only with each other but like they pick sides of the hosts. You should have called that show Circular Firing Squad. Circular <laughs> that's right. <laughs> anyway, going on social media that surrounds Friendly Fire is really hit or miss. I don't I don't I don't come away from there feeling good most of the time. It's an unfriendly fire. Yeah. You can mail Dump us things. Hey, you should call the Facebook group Dumpster Fire. Dumpster Fire, garbage barge. <laughs> Uh, you can mail us things, and we get lots of wonderful mail from people uh, at our P.O. Box, P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. Your friend uh, in the etchings entry recently, you mentioned a friend of yours, your friend Ben. Ben. Who is Barris. actually an, an etcher? Is that, a, is that what the, what's the verb? He, uh, he's an etch-a-sketch? Ben is an artist, uh, a multidisciplinary artist. He does art installations. He does, uh, uh, he and his group... Beres Sutton Color have done um, a lot of conceptual art, uh, but they also, he's now a glass artist as well, working etching glass, but he's for the last several years done etching um, in the, in the classic sense. And he, and I bought an etching of his that I mentioned on our show. But he, he listened to that show. And Turns out he's an omnibus listener. And he found that I did not have one. And look at this nice, look at this nice framed etching he sent me. He he gave you an etching that was personal to you. Your own etching. It says my ship is sailing, which I thought was maybe kind of a northwesty nautical reference. But did you read the note? No, uh, the note was for you. It's the last words of Russian artist Alexander Rodchenko. On his deathbed, he said, My ship is sailing. So this is an oh. etching of Alexander Rochenko's death. Wow. So I don't know. Well. 
I guess I should I, I should arrange to die in the bed I hang this above. Think about that for a minute, why don't you? So is this a death threat from your friend Ben? Uh, you know, he he tends to be a pretty it, peaceful soul, but... It doesn't say your ship is sailing, I guess. No, your ship is sailing. So make ready. Make ready, sailor. This is delightful, Ben. I hope you're listening because... Uh, I really love this. Yeah, it's always nice when you, you when a friend from the real world turns out to also be an omnibus listener and futureling. Uh, so Ben's Ben's work can be found online. He's uh, he is available wherever etchings are sold. He actually he actually sent me contact info. Benberes.com. B e r e s. B e r e s. And then, if you'd like to support the show. Uh, if you if you can't afford to send us your own etchings to support the show, you can support the show in other ways. And uh, one of the nicest ways is to support it with a with a uh, financial contribution to our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/OmnibusProject. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, uh, we have no idea how long our civilization survived before it turned into your landfill-centric culture. Mm. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. If the worst comes soon, however, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus. <laughs>